0: You're listening to Tech Tank, a bi-weekly podcast from the Brookings Institution exploring the most consequential technology issues of our time. From racial bias and algorithms to the future of work, Tech Tank takes big ideas and makes them accessible. Welcome to Tech Tank. I'm your guest host, Michela Robison. The 2022 election cycle was marked by a variety of contentious races and creative uses of social media. One such notable campaign was the race for Pennsylvania Senator between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz. Fetterman's team has received a claim for their use of social media, particularly popular with young voters, to build a brand and get out their message. Their victory serves as a case study of social media's evolving role in politics, especially in relation to digital natives such as Generation Z. Today, we're talking with Annie Wu Henry, an activist and former member of Fetterman's social media team, about her experience on the campaign and the role of social media in political outreach. Annie Wu Henry is a social media and digital strategy expert for progressive organizations and campaigns. She believes that we need on the ground organizing, electoral work, and online media to drive progress in society, and she has taken a hand in contributing to all three. She was most recently the social media producer for John Fetterman's successful Senate campaign in Pennsylvania. As a strategist, creator, and political operative, Annie has contributed to some of the largest online advocacy platforms. She has had a myriad of content go viral, being shared by everyone from Viola Davis, to the Kardashians, and more. Through her personal platform, she informs her own following about the world and educates them on how they can get involved to push for change. Annie, thank you so much for joining me here today. You've had a very impressive career spanning a variety of positions in political communication in a relatively short period of time. Could you start by walking us through what that journey has been like for you and how you've gotten here?
1: Yeah, so I have always been interested in politics, but I think my route to actually working in it was pretty untraditional. Um, And I think that has really worked out for me. I actually started college as a government major thinking that I wanted to work in politics. And I think I saw it as the really traditional interning on the Hill and Washington, D.C. route. And very early on in my freshman year, as I learned more about how the government works or sometimes rather doesn't work, I was like, I don't think that this is going to make sense for me and what I'm going to enjoy. And so I shifted a bit away from that and transitioned my major into being a communications and journalism major with political science also as a focus on the side. And that i think opened me up to so many different experiences that i worked then after sc- college in you know a very like traditional corporate marketing communications role and doing some government affairs work i worked at a pr firm i worked on like the internet in like my own regard understanding the quasi like political s- space that was emerging and then you know did some organizing work and some social media work just by itself um that was not politically related and i think all of that then culminated when i made the shift to politics to understand what i really wanted what i really enjoyed and where my skill sets probably lied and that led me to a, a career that i could not even imagined was a job especially the campaign that we were on and um yeah so it was exciting,
0: and i'm I'm just excited for what's what's to come. Wonderful. um you were talking about this sort of internet quasi political space that you're getting to experience, and the Fetterman campaign itself has been praised for its use of social media in a very tight race, particularly in a way that appealed to young voters. How did you find yourself working for the Fetterman team, and what was it like to be working on the social media team during that time?
1: Yeah, so I had looked at Fetterman Jobs early on. Even you know during the primary, and they were out based on the western side of Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh, and I knew that I kind of wanted to stay on the eastern side, back in Philly where I had landed after being on the west coast, and I also wanted to kind of get some experience in some other areas. I did a progressive challenger primary that was you know a pretty David and Goliath battle um, that we didn't. We didn't go into thinking that we were necessarily going to win, um, but it gave me a lot of experience very quickly and hands-on in, you know, a campaign space that I hadn't been fully in before. And I was also working just, again, another traditional social media job that was honing my skill sets there. And then after those, I, um, after the primary, rather, I quit the other job as well and started working at an organizing group, doing some digital organizing in Pennsylvania and really getting to know the state on a different level. And with the people in these communities doing a lot of the work that you don't see behind the scenes, that's really important and necessary. And I really enjoyed my time there. I always speak about that was one of the most humbling and just, I think, influential experiences that I take with me, the perspective. Um, and had reached out during that job to the Fetterman campaign to say, Hey, I know you're expanding to the eastern side of the state now that you've won the primary. I would love, I'm around. I'm like, these are my skills. I see these things that I could probably help you with. These are some ideas that I have. Let me know how I can be helpful. Cause I really just wanted to do everything I could before election day and not wake up the day after feeling like, oh, I could have done more. And after a few conversations with them, they were like hey we do see some of these gaps that you would probably be able to help us with um would you want to come on full time and i you know considered it cuz it would be leaving the organizing job was still a salaried you know not cyclical position and this would be uprooting a little bit that stability but it it felt like the right thing to do to just throw 150% into it and that is that is what i did and the campaign was it was a crazy chaotic um challenging but in in really great ways um thing to be a part of and just really special for so many reasons obviously the candidate there was so much at stake it being in a state that's so purple like pennsylvania and really what a an outsider politics, politician like John stood for in his authenticity against the opponent that we had. Um, It was just it was just really special in a lot of ways. And the people also that I got to work with made it even more special because they were just fantastic as professionals and so knowledgeable in this field, but also just a lot of really great humans, too.
0: That sounds amazing. Uh, In your time with the team, you've been previously described as the TikTok queen by your coworkers at the Fetterman campaign, Uh, but also your work spans so much more than just making TikToks, it sounds like. First, how did you come to working on TikTok within the team? And second, was your work conveying political messaging on TikTok, for instance, different from your work on other platforms?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, misconception is that I am not just like Only thinking about TikTok and actually in my previous experiences didn't do that much work on TikTok. I understood the platform. I thought there was a lot of potential there, but a lot of times, whether it is a campaign or a company, even there's not the bandwidth to really hone in on that platform that does take a lot of time and effort. And so I had done things there, but I hadn't done as large of a Scaled TikTok campaign is what we were able to do on the Fetterman campaign because we we did have a, a large team and the bandwidth to be able to really do that platform and I think do it hopefully well um, and I think that takes someone dedicated to doing that platform consistently and focusing on it and giving it the time and energy that it deserves. Um, but you know, I think that every platform is different and you need to be understanding how to not only communicate with the platform based on how the algorithms work and what the users how how they use it but also like what what makes sense for that platform you know TikTok it's it's so much about the for you page and scrolling and you need to be capturing their attention in the first few seconds on things like twitter you are having information that you can have text but also how do you include links how do you utilize threads how do you utilize interacting with others from quote tweets to retweets to engaging there um and then on instagram it's a very visual platform and so how are you utilizing that how are you utilizing things like shareability collaboration tools um amplification and so one of my other roles that i was able to do while on the campaign was thinking creatively about how we're using these other platforms and using people that are good at amplifying what we were doing or getting our messaging to them so that they could use their platforms to be talking about things that we were caring about on the campaign and key important messages that we were trying to get out to as many people as possible that sometimes weren't our audience, that we already had amassed. But other people that had different audiences that we were trying to either bring over to our channel or reach them through, through these other channels. Um, And so working on collaborations, working with even, you know, some of the celebrities who did messaging for us, that is obviously reaching people on such a large scale um, and trying to think creatively about, about this. And there were so many things that, you know, I, I hoped that we could do. And we obviously have a limited amount of time and budget just energy because there's also a million other things i i went to each of the events um and was doing things at those uh, from you know taking photos to taking videos to working on the instagram stories to you know engaging people in in real life um and so there were you know many hats worn by everyone on the campaign and TikTok was a a fun one that I was able to come in and really own, which was nice to be able to really take something from start to finish um and craft along the way but it was it was exciting and i'm I'm glad that I was able to
0: to help where where I could That's really fascinating. I'm so curious. Have you had a favorite project that you worked on since it sounds like you were juggling a lot of different social media accounts and activities I mean, I think TikTok is the easy answer,
1: but really what I enjoyed about that was not just the platform itself, but being able to take something from nothing to full fruition and kind of own every step of that process and thinking about the strategy behind it, which a lot of people don't think that there is one, but there is, even though they're eight second videos and concepting all of Pretty much the videos that were posted to that platform, and and why we were doing that, and how that aligned with the messaging that was happening in other parts of the campaign, and also thinking creatively of how we were doing um, like responses to people, and also garnering organic content on that platform, and then utilizing that in other ways. So that's you know a full project that I feel like is easy to just point to. But I think another one is just. Again, trying to think of creative things um, and how we can be using them in different ways and that haven't been done before. Um, so, getting you know merchandise to people that will be able to plug it in different ways to their audiences. I I had an idea about you know trying to get people using Twitter Spaces in a different way that again we weren't able to fully fully um bring to concept but just trying to think creatively about these platforms and you know i was able to help and find a lot of trends on social media from memes to you know tweet formats to instagram formats that i was able to say hey this this is happening do we want to do something around it and there were so many you know brilliant minds that then were able to contribute to coming up with the end product of the meme or the idea that came to fruition that was posted, but getting getting to do some of that as well. Um, and some of it, you know, I was able to do, but again, I want to give credit where credit's due to so many people from our consultants to our comms team to, you know, other leadership positions and people on the campaign that were not in digital or not in comms, but were just witty and understood what the campaign was all about. And were able to take, you know, we had a meme that, was sent in that we said, Hey, we want to do this idea. And someone threw out another idea of, Hey, this, this is the wording we could use. And someone said, well, what about this? And then someone said, what about this? And at the end, we just had such a better product than if one person would have done it by itself. Um, and so much of that was just people, again, being able to react and react quickly and understand the tone and the voice and just overall the, the campaign that was being run, which is something again, that was, that was really special.
0: So speaking of memes, we actually just had some guests on the podcast last time talking about memes in the political space and how they've been used to convey political messaging online, albeit sometimes harmful messaging. I'm so curious to hear what do you think is the role of memes in the modern political system? <laughs> memes can be very
1: powerful, and I just say that in general about social media. Social media is very powerful, and power can be used for good and for, you know, not so good. And there is understanding respect and understanding when you can have fun with something and when there's lines that are crossed. And so I think that in politics, especially when so many of these issues are really serious issues and impact people's lives on personal levels, that there are ways in which you communicate, whether in text format and how you talk about things, but also in You know, visual format, whether that's memes or pictures or references or what that might be, um, that you don't cross that line where it goes into causing harm and causing having things be hateful. And I think that that was something that I always kept in mind, especially when we were, you know, creating content to define the opponent and talk about who he was Um, and in ways that were highlighting that and highlighting things that we disagreed on or that he might have done that weren't great but not in ways that were not humane and i think that that is you can be critical and you can highlight things and again memes are memes can be a powerful tool Um, but doing it in a way where you're not being inhumane and you're being just blatantly hateful and again I think every piece of content there should be intention behind it sometimes the attention is just or the reasoning behind it is just you know to to have fun and to like show personality or something is to convey a key message and sometimes it's to educate and there are, there are all these different reasons and I think that sometimes there is hateful content just for hate's sake. And when that happens, you need to reflect and understand, like, is is that worth it? And
0: a lot of times it's not. Thank you. That was an incredibly insightful response. Switching gears a little bit, you've also been a devout activist during your work. You've joined Get Out the Vote efforts for both Gen Z and Asian communities. How do you see the future of activism changing with the rise of new technologies?
1: I mean, everyone has a platform now, which is, again, can be used for good and used for not so good. Um, But it really, I think, has been able to allow voices and people who have felt ignored or just didn't have a space where they could get out messages or feel like they had a voice and have a space to do that. And you know, I say that whether you have five followers or whether you have 500,000 followers, you can be making an impact with those around you or that those that are coming in contact with what you're sharing. And so that also includes from an activism side, from a politician side, from a brand side, content creator side, all of it, there's, there's a higher level of responsibility there. And I think with with activism again there needs to be intention behind so many of these things people talk about things like slacktivism and um how sometimes there's echo chambers and and what are you doing how is what you're doing online your your activism your education your content um how is that how how is that contributing? And again, there's a lot of ways you can contribute. It doesn't have to be super deep, but I think that there there should be reasoning behind what people are doing. And also from a consumer standpoint, who are we giving platforms? Because anyone can make claims now that they're activists or thought leaders. And if they amass a certain amount of following, they do essentially become that, whether it is warranted or not. Um, and so we need to make sure that the people that we are listening to and the people that are being given a voice and that we are amplifying are people that, that deserve it. Um, and again, don't have to deserve it for any deep, deep reason, but but there, there is intentionality behind it and responsibility. And I think that as the internet and the access to information and, people getting out their information and accessing information, whether that be accurate or misinformed information. Um, there There's just going to be so much more to make sure is being done intentionally. And there's just going to be an, more of an influx of, of info and people and everything is so saturated. So it's just going to keep evolving and we're going to have to understand how to keep evolving with it.
0: On that idea of politics evolving, I think Gen Z as a political force has been surrounded with a lot of confusion and curiosity. What have you learned in your time both working with and making content that appeals to Gen Z? Yeah, I think that
1: young people, you know, in general, because I will also say like Gen Z, every generation, the, the elder generations are like, oh, the kids will save us um and i think the thing about gen z as very digital natives that grew up there were always screens um unlike other generations you know i kind of fall in between millennial and gen z depending who you ask and i i think about like i got my first cell phone in middle school and it was not a Touchscreen phone or anything with with internet access, and then the next phone though I did get that I was still you know I was still under eighteen I was still a kid. Um, It did have access to things like the internet and to to some of these social media platforms that were emerging, and I think that they are given such access at the palm of their hands. Or we again, if you consider me Gen Z, Gen Zs are given such access of information and. Also, potential in the palms of their hands, um, and so they have been able to again. If they didn't, young people who didn't feel like they had a voice before, or maybe didn't have the resources or access to use their voice before, now a lot of times they do, and it's it's right in a small screen that they can carry around in their pocket and pull out and make a TikTok video when they see something happening or feel inspired to say something. And I think that's really powerful. And they're understanding, because also the online space, it is a community. And there are ways to build community in online spaces, whether it be in in niches around, you know, being fans of TV shows or people or causes, um, and people that have common passions, Um, there's a power there. And we talk about from an organizing standpoint, there's people build power. And I think that the younger generation now, who is the first generation to have access to build community online and in massive ways with people from all over, you know, the country and the world, they are understanding that power and starting to figure out how to harness it. And I think that that is something that people are just enamored by. Cause again, they, they didn't have that and they're, they're understanding how that's starting to work. And it hasn't been done before, which is obviously gonna create both confusion and curiosity to to understand something, something new while it's happening.
0: Wonderful. I have just one final question. I'm curious in your time working in politics and political communication, I'm sure you've seen a variety of campaigns, either for politicians or specific pieces of legislation, utilizing social media to appeal to either young people or the voting base. Is there anything that you think could be improved in how political campaigns are currently appealing to young people? I think that so much
1: of appealing to young people is. And why there's been shifts, especially with online platforms, is that a lot of it's being led by young people. Because who's going to understand young people better than, than young people? And that sounds so silly. But I think that in so many times, whether it be in politics or or where, wherever, it's it's that people try to give their input or their best understanding on a group that they are not a part of and the best way is sometimes to have people that are in it be leading that but it's also to provide them then with the resources and tools and support that they can do that and do it well and so I think like when we talk about when we talk about young people in general like you don't know what you know until some you're told that or you don't you can't do something a lot of times unless you're given the resources to be able to do it. And so I think that like one of the the things about our campaign and that I I think that is important for people to understand is that, you know, I I ran a TikTok program that a lot of people think is, is new and exciting, but it was because I was given the bandwidth to be able to do it and to do it fully. And also then given the support and trust that what I was doing, even though some people who, you know, there were people on our campaign who didn't have a TikTok um, or had never used the app, but they were able to, again, with, with judgment and with still looking over for approvals and things like that, they were, were able to say, I don't necessarily understand this app, but I understand the numbers that it's bringing. And I also understand that there are millions of people there and that there's um untapped potential that can be reached if someone uses it and uses it efficiently and effectively and so i'm going to trust a person that is from this space and has this skill set um to do what they do on this platform to help us and not impart you know my what, what i think um in any way that's that's going to detract from them as an expert coming in with it. And I think that that is such an important component in using social media and appealing to young people is, is there has to be levels of, of support and there has to be levels of trust um, and buy-in.
0: All right. Inspiring words about trusting younger digital generations for the future of politics. I'm so excited to see what this means going forth. Thank you so much, Annie, for joining us for the podcast. It's been great to talk with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Tech Tank, a series of roundtable discussions and interviews with technology experts and policymakers. For more conversations like this, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the Tech Tank newsletter for more research and analysis from the Center for Technology Innovation at Brookings.